Welcome to That is he is making his debut on the podcast, folks. Hello. And the Buffalo Sabres just ended their 18-game losing streak. I am so happy for the Buffalo Sabres in what has been over a month of turmoil for their franchise. You're a little laggy there, Chris. Okay, the Buffalo Sabres um, just ended their 18-game losing streak. Um, I'm going to try to speak up a little bit louder into the iPad so Thomas can hear me better. And, yeah, so Sabres ended their losing streak. The Lakers lead the Bucks 30-24 to after one quarter. I have the game on, but I have it on mute. And um, MLB opening day starts tomorrow. There's a lot to. There's actually a lot going on in sports, Thomas. But let's start with the pro days. I feel like that's the simplest topic to knock out of the way. And how do you feel about the pro days that have gone down so far? And what prospects in the 2021 NFL draft stand out to you? Honestly, I haven't watched too many. Uh... Actually, really, I haven't watched any pro days, but I noticed some highlights, so that's nice. Um, like always, you can't really take too much into account on pro days because, I mean... Because it's all about game film, the actual tape. Yep. I mean, I was... Fields had a good pro day, I thought. Zach Wilson had a good pro day. Lawrence um, had a pro day too, but he still cheats on your board compared to Wilson and Fields. You like those two quarterbacks more. Yeah, Rondale Moore had a great pro day. Yeah, he had like a forty-inch vertical, and he's only five foot seven. That's yeah. That's just that's 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 crazy. That's unhuman. I mean, everyone wants to say Kyle Pitts had the best pro day, and he did. He ran a four-four-four. Could have ran a four-three-six at six-six, but it's like. Rondale Moore having like a 42 inch vertical at 5'7 is superhuman. Yeah. Like we were speechless when that happened because we were so impressed by someone with that height to jump that high. It's like we didn't even have any words. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. Um, there were a bunch of other pro days too. I thought. Um, Jamar Chase did well. Yeah, he did. Wake Forest, Carlos Basham ran a 4-6-4-40 ran a better 40 time than Sage Surratt. And I really like Sage Surratt on film heading into the year. So that 40 time may knock him down around, but I still think you can get value with him late in the draft. Yeah, Carlos Basham improved his uh, draft stuff with that. Um then Ed Rush might be trending in the opposite direction, though, was Gregory Rosso. He had a 4-7-1-40 time. It was the worst 40 time among the three edge rushers on the Miami Hurricanes. Jalen Phillips and Quincy Roche both ran better 40 times at the Hurricanes Pro Day than Gregory Rosso. Yeah, so. And Rosso's got some hip twitch movement, like struggles to move his hips and lateral twitch on film. Yeah, and there's very evident flaws with this. 
Rosso had 11 and a half, 14 and a half sacks a year ago. And for him to have all these flaws in his pro day, that's really a tough break for him. Yep. I don't know if there's anything else we need to cover as far as the pro days go, because I think we've covered pretty much. Terrence Marshall had a good pro day for LSU. Jabril Cox had a good pro day. Um, Some Notre Dame guys had their pro day today, too. Um, The only other schools, I think, that are left for pro days is I think there's a team working out on April 1st, and then Tulsa, Zabin Collins, has his pro day on Friday. And I think that's it. Then that's it, and the pro days are over. Yeah. And these NFL teams, they'll have three, four weeks to try to figure out what they want to do with their um, teams in Cleveland. Um, We'll go through the top five, and then we'll break down the Dolphins' options at six, because I think there are a lot of intriguing options. Um, Number one, I think, is going to be Lawrence, even though you don't approve. Number two, I think, is going to be Zach Wilson, even though you'd rather see Wilson in a Niners outfit. Number three is where things get interesting, because if uh, the Jets do pass on Wilson, I think they'll take fields, and then the Niners will get Wilson. But if not, then you're torn between Justin Fields and Trey Lance. I like Fields better on tape personally, but I think the Niners are going to take Lance and groom him behind Garoppolo for a year. I don't think the Niners are interested in Garoppolo, like Shanahan said. A lot of people think that's a smokescreen, but like, yeah, that could be a smokescreen. You gave up three first-round picks to move up for a quarterback. I, I would take Fields or Wilson here if it was up to me personally, because I think that's the smartest move the Niners organization can make. Because you give up three first-round picks, that's a lot of capital. And the other report is they're not giving up a. Garoppolo unless they get a first round pick back in return and one of the teams that could give up 15 for Garoppolo is the Patriots and that would give the Niners another first round pick they could get a corner with that pick from the Patriots so there's a lot that could happen but I think regardless of what San Francisco does they're going to take one of the two quarterbacks from Ohio State or North Dakota State then at number four the Atlanta Falcons come into play Uh, they're either going with one of the quarterbacks Penny Sewell at left tackle, they can get him as a right tackle to compliment Jake Matthews as one of the league's best left tackles, or they can get tight end Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts had his third meeting with the Atlanta Falcons today. He has a fourth meeting with them scheduled, and he also has a third meeting with the Miami Dolphins scheduled. So even though I was going to mock Kyle Pitts at number six, he has built a lot of momentum. Joey's going to mock him to the Bengals at five in probably his final mock draft. He's already got He's going to have a fourth meeting with the Falcons, a third meeting with the Dolphins. Uh, he might not be there for Carolina at eight, but you know if Carolina doesn't get one of the top four quarterbacks and Kyle Pitts falls to them at eight, that'll be their plan B. And if they can't get Pitts or one of the top four QBs, I think they'll take an offensive tackle at that point, whether it be Panay Suell or uh, Rashawn Slater, because both of those tackles could be in play for the Bengals at number five. Uh well, I don't think – first off, I don't think the Bengals are going to take Kyle Pitts because it's possible because Mike Brown is a stingy guy and he doesn't like to build the team. They've narrowed it down to five players, five offensive players. Chase, Devonta Smith, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, Panay Sewell, and Rashawn Slater. They are going offense at five. 
and they've narrowed it down to those five players for the number five pick, but they haven't made an official decision yet. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kyle Pitts is possible, but knowing the Bengals, they're retarded. Mike Brown, especially, and how he is with, and they just they just addressed offensive line heavily, and created. They got right, and they got uh, left tackle in free agency. And they if if Joe Burrow believes Riley Rife can play left tackle and Jonah Williams can play right tackle for the long term, then they'll neglect offensive line and take a receiver at five. And Joe Burrow is pounding the table for Jamar Chase. He wants Chase to be his LSU teammate, be the Bengals pick at five. And even though I like Smith more, Jamar Chase to Cincinnati at five is the most Bengals move ever. Yep, absolutely. It's the most, you mean it's the most Mike Brown move ever. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's one way to put it. I have a so that, friend of mine. Or, so that means the Dolphins get their pick between, um, well, what the whatever the Falcons do it for, they could get a QB or Pitts. But for hypothetical purposes, we'll say the Falcons get the fourth QB. That means the Dolphins have their pick between Panay Suell, Kyle Pitts, and Devonta Smith at number six on your board. So what are you thinking here? I take me no, through I think, your I think the Falcons don't get a quarterback that early. Matt Ryan has a couple more years left in him. If anything, they might want to get a project quarterback. Um, to develop for a couple of years. And that's where Trey Lance or Justin Fields would come into play. They'd sit behind Ryan for a year and they'd get the Pat Mahomes treatment. Or they can get um like Mac Jones or something to sit behind Matt Ryan. Because I don't know if... The thing is, yeah, the Falcons got a new head coach and stuff, but I don't know if Justin Fields or Trey Lance can fit the offensive scheme that Matt Ryan is in. Well, Arthur had the uh, Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota in Tennessee. He might see a similar dynamic if they get Fields or Trey Lance and they groom him behind Ryan. That's because I think them take. I don't think they're taking Mac Jones at four. I'm pretty confident they're going to get because um, Trey Justin Fields grew up and played high school football in Georgia. So mm. I think if he is there at four. He's the pick. And if not, I think they'll get Kyle Pitts. Now, everyone else in the media is like, nah, you're wrong, Chris. Trey Lance will be the pick at four if he's there. Otherwise, they'll go tight end. But I think if they've already had three meetings with Kyle Pitts, they're having a fourth one. Miami's already trying to get a third meeting with Kyle Pitts, the Florida Gators tight end. I think that is the pick because Hayden Hurst is, um, Hayden Hurst is okay, but Kyle Pitts is an upgrade over Hayden Hurst. I mean, I had Mike Gusecki ranked right ahead of me. Yeah. In that draft. 2018. I just think there's going to be a lot of dummy picks in this draft. I could see too. Rashawn Slater over um, Panay Sewell would be another Mike Brown pick. If we're being literal. <laughs> yeah. The Northwestern left tackle with short 33 inch arms, who's not the consensus number one offense. Well, that would be another Mike Brown pick. So, and in this situation, Falcons at four is tough because I think that four they they if they don't take a quarterback, I think Kyle Pitts comes off the board at that point. I mean, 
Yeah. They. So then if Kyle Pitts is gone and Jamar Chase goes fifth, I think Miami's going to get a playmaker at six regardless. They're going to take either Pitts, Chase, or um, Smith, whoever's highest on their board or whoever's left of those three at six. If all three are left, Miami's going to take the highest player on their board. Yeah. And while Smith is the highest on my board, the fact that they've interviewed Pitts three times leads me to believe he'd be the pick in that scenario because Kyle Pitts has gained so much momentum throughout this draft process. It's really just hard to tell. It really um, Do you want to go through the rest of the top ten or should we just go to the Bills at uh, 30 and talk about their needs? Oh, wait, we got to talk about the Dolphins at 18. Crap on a cracker. Forgot about the Dolphins at 18th pick. So while they'll get a playmaker at six, 18's a little bit up in the air. Um, they, can, I think they're going to get Aziz Ujari, the edge rusher from Georgia. That I have a top 10 grade on him. I mean, they really do need a 34 outside linebacker. They got rid of Kyle Van Noy. They don't really have, they don't have Shaq Lawson either. So they have Andrew Van Ginkle and somebody next to him, but they don't really have that blue chip edge rusher and I, I think the only Pro Bowl caliber edge rusher that is worth taking in the top 20 is Aziz Ujari but there are other rankings that have Quiddy Pay out of Michigan, Jalen Phillips of Miami, Florida Rocco. so and Zayvon Collins would be a great if they're at 18. Zayvon Collins would be the perfect player for the Dolphins the pillar. Oh yeah um, I think they're wanting to develop Van Ginkle still and see what they have in him, possibly. Um, I agree. They need a second starter next to him. I'm not saying give up on Van Ginkle. I'm saying bring someone in to start next to him at edge rusher if the guy he wants there. You forget that they still have Vince Beagle, and he's played good when he can be healthy. He um, is effective when he's healthy. I, I He was one of my sleepers. I forgot about Vince Beagle. So they don't necessarily have to go that route if they don't like any of the edge rushers, too, which is... Yeah, they, I know that they are um, interested in... Uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, Alabama linebacker, Dylan Moses. I mocked the Dolphins at 33. I did not know they had interest in him. I mocked the Dolphins at 33 back in February. I didn't know that they, like, actually met. I haven't really seen too many mocks for pick 18, really. I've mostly just seen for three or now six, so. Um... Yeah. Okay, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. The Dolphins, um, one of the Dolphins running back coaches kept crossing his shoulders whenever Najee Harris spoke. But Najee was just smiling. He was non-reactive. He was cool, fun, laid back. And his agent is Marshawn Lynch, the former Seahawks running back. That's his agent. So, Wait, Lynch is an agent now? <laughs> Najee Harris. Najee Harris, the Alabama running back. I know, but I'm saying Mar Beast Mode is an agent he's, now? That's yes, funny. he's a sports agent now. That is correct. <laughs> what does he does he just like um every agent he clients, but if Najee Harris wins rookie of the year they could do a subway commercial with Marshawn Lynch and um Najee driving to subway in a limo together <laughs> and that would be a hilarious commercial that you could that could be a great commercial yes does he award his clients skittles every time he signs them or maybe he has 
like a maybe he has like a jar of Skittles, and whenever his clients try to reach into the jar for the Skittles, he pulls back the jar. Like in Ted Two, when Morgan Freeman had the jar of candy, and then he put the jar of candy away when uh, Mark Wahlberg and Ted came into the lawyer's office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, I've seen a bunch of different mocks at six. I've seen Najee Harris. Oh, no, I've seen Najee Harris marked at 18. But I've, yeah. Six, I don't think they're going to take him, though, because A, it's a really deep running back class, and B, the fact that the Dolphins running backs coach was giving Najee negative body language, crossing his shoulders on a play in Mobile. I don't know if that's a test, that's a smokescreen, because Joey told me that the Dolphins made up the rumor about Dan Marino being on cocaine that so that he dropped the Dolphins at 26 <laughs> or 27. It sounds like something the Dolphins would do. <laughs> Classic Don Shula. Classic move on his part. Um, But, yeah, it, we could go – Miami could go anywhere from Devontae Smith to Kyle Pitts to um, – Mika Parsons to Owosu Koma. I think a dark horse, one more dark horse before we get to Buffalo is Oklahoma center Creed Humphrey. This is my highest graded center. I have a higher grade on him than Alex Mack, Morkis Pouncey, um, a little Dick Garrett Bradbury, who the Vikings took in the first round two years ago. So Creed Humphrey is my highest graded center. He also had the highest relative athletic score of any center in the NFL draft dating back to 1987. So I, I think he could be a dark horse because Matt Skura is good, but I don't think he's as good as Creed Humphrey. And they only signed him to, I think a one-year deal or a cheap deal, maybe a two or three-year deal, but nothing like serious. It's whatever Chris Greer and Brian Flores are thinking. Yeah, it really is. Those are the geniuses behind the operation Miami. I mean, the geniuses that remember last year when they put all that interest in Justin Herbert and everybody thought they were going to draft Herbert? Well, they had interest in Tua, too. They had interest in both quarterbacks. They had equal interest. They, they didn't do as much research on Tua as they did Herbert. You're right. But there were a lot of mock drafts that had Miami taking Tua at one, had, dating back to August. So, yeah. But, like, I'm saying like the the um the chances of him, of getting Devontae Smith is similar to uh, Justin Herbert. All that homework and research, and they can take somebody completely by surprise, or just like Kyle Pitts or something. Yeah, they could get Kyle Pitts, and they could get Rashad Bateman, the Minnesota Golden Gophers receiver at 18, if he's there. They could do that too, and it would work, and they'd get two weapons for Tua. I don't know. Well, I don't know if they want to get any more receivers. They got plenty. They do. And it's interesting to see what Miami does. Um, I think the linebackers are in play. Um, Personally, I think at 18, they should go safety because, yeah, Eric Rowe and Bobby McCain are okay players, but they're not – they're depth guys. They're backups. I they're, there's two safeties with um, that could be, get picked in the first round. I have um, 
There's the there's the Jim Thorpe Award winner, Trevon Morig out of TCU, who's good, but I don't think he's the best safety in the draft. I think the best safety in the draft is Central Florida's Richie Grant. He just has an incredible backpedal, and he's great in coverage, too. And he showed he could line up anywhere at defensive back, whether it's nickel corner, outside corner, strong safety, free safety. I just think he's one of these plug-and-play safeties, and he doesn't miss his tackles. Also, the best run stuffing grade, according to Pro Football Focus. Yeah. Um, so I would take at, in the 20s, like the early 20s. But is Miami going to take a gamble on um, Mo Rigger Grant at 18. I would think if they were going to get a safety in the first round, they'd probably try to trade 18 and move down for a yeah or capital. Yeah. Um, who was that safety that I brought up that I like? Um, there, there's a guy from Oregon named Javon Holland, but I don't think that's the safety you brought up. No. What school? Is- we could always get Josh Bledsoe or Tyree Gillespie in the later rounds. Yeah, they're time at his pro day. They're, those two Missouri safeties are going to be great. They were at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, see them. I was fortunate enough to see them practice in person. It was fun. Um, so the Bills at thirty. Let's get to the Bills at thirty because that's a fun team to break down. They bring they they re-sign Daryl Williams. They bring in Bobby. First off, Chris. I need to address how pissed off I am about the freaking Bobby Hart signing. Yeah, because Bobby Hart, that is a horrible signing. Like, what happened? Did Belichick just sneak into the Bills front office, plant some crack, get the Bills front office hammered on crack? Crack gate. Yeah, that's what happened to Belichick. Okay, I'm kidding, of course. But the Patriots, they snuck some drugs into the Bills front office. The Bills got high or they, they got they did whatever and then they signed Bobby Hart. That's that's pretty much how it happened. I think I think Brandon Bean just said, you know what, screw it. Let's get him for depth reasons. He probably won't make the main roster anyway. We'll give him a shot. Maybe they think they can rebuild him like they think that they can help. Because uh, they rebuilt Daryl Williams last year. Daryl Williams was nothing but a backup, and they rebuilt him. So yeah. we can do this. Maybe they, think they, maybe they think they can rebuild him like they can rebuild Mitch – like they think they can build uh, Mitch Trubisky too. Yeah, and so. they gave Davis White that long-term extension, which is good because now all they have to do is give Allen um, – Edmonds long-term extensions. You re-sign Milano. They've done everything correct. They, I think the only thing they could really use an upgrade at is maybe a number two corner extra to Davis White. I ended yeah. up giving them Greg Newsom the northwestern corner, which has become the consensus pick in most mock drafts now. Yeah, for the Bills. Yep. I have, I have Eric Stokes for New Orleans. Eric Stokes, the Georgia corner, is my number four corner, but I gave Eric Stokes to the Saints. And the Packers could get Newsom at 29 because his dad played for the Packers. But they have Kevin King. They have Jair Alexander. I don't think they're going to get a third corner. But you never know. So Buffalo's in an intriguing situation, to say the least. And I mean, also, they recently Levi Wallace, but Teron Johnson could take that next um, – that next step in his development, he played good last year. He's got yeah. that speed. He had that pick six. That was nice. Um, but I do – they step, They definitely still need to take another team. They still have Dane Jackson, who's been good for them. As a Their seventh 
out of Pittsburgh. He was great at the Senior Bowl, and you have him. So you have a lot of depth at corner. But if you have an opportunity to get Stokes or Newsom at that spot, I think that's the pick at 30. Otherwise, Buffalo I need to take the highest player on their board or trade down. I know that they've been interested in pass rushers, too, mocking pass rushers at 30 as well. Yeah, but this, I like Basham, Wake Forest edge rusher. That would be a great pick. They could also get one of the Miami edges or Quiddy Pay. I don't think Quiddy Pay is going to slip to 30, the Michigan edge rusher, even though. That'd be nice to have Carlos Basham with uh, yeah. AJ Epinesa if he continues his development. I think we had Basham on this podcast after the Senior Bowl. You can, I'll send you the link to that after the show along with our podcast because. That his interview was well, and he had a good pro day. So I'm pretty confident Carlos Basham moving forward. Epinesa struggled early on last season, but uh, once he played right end, he uh, he came on pretty strong. And so I'm excited. I think defense tackles an option. More snaps. Defense. It's a it's a it's a good defensive tackle group, but not a great defensive tackle group. And I do think defensive tackle could be an option. You cut Quentin Jefferson. You um, moved on from um, – there was another defensive tackle in the Bills that they moved on from, but they still have – they have Starlow Tulele coming back. You still have Ed Oliver, so you can get depth at defensive tackle. We still have Harrison Phillips. Yeah. And you got Harrison Phillips too, so it's not like a huge priority. You just need one body. You don't need like a starting defensive tackle. And there's guys in rounds three. There's guys in rounds four. Cam Sample, Odigi Zuwa, Jalen Twyman, the Pitt. There are guys. There's bodies. You just need a body. You have Lotulele. You have Harrison Phillips. You have Vernon. Oh yeah, Did Vernon Butler go too, or did we resign him? I forget. I think they cut Vernon Butler. Yeah, I think they did, too. I'm not 100% certain on that, but I think they did move on from him. So there's a lot of things Buffalo can do. I I think they traded their backup tight end, Lee Smith, to uh, Atlanta for like a seventh-round pick. So if that's the case, tight end could be a possibility as well, unless they brought someone in at tight end. They did. They got Jacob Hollister. That's actually not a bad signing. And I think um, uh, I think they still have um, – Dawson Knox, yeah. Tyler Croft. Tyler Croft, I keep forgetting. They have Dawson Knox as a starting tight end, but Tyler Croft, I think, is still the backup. Lee uh, Smith was the third string tight end. No, Tyler Croft was a free agent, I believe. Okay, let me double check. Because if they moved on from Tyler Croft, I'm not sure if Tyler Croft is still on the team. Oh, he signed with the Jets. He's on the Jets now. So they brought him in for competition to Chris Ferndon. Because Herndon was terrible at tight end, but the Jets brought in Tyler Croft. Mm -hmm. I was not aware of that. So Croft decides to go to a division rival. No mercy once he's off a Jet. So, and Jacob Foster has that that Josh that chemistry with Josh Allen as they were college teammates. So it's always nice. Yep, that is nice. Um. Let's see here. We um, there's we talked about pro days. Bills draft needs Lee today. The Bills signed Markel Lee and um, Tyrell Davis today. All right, that's good. 
the only thing the Patriots neglected was quarterback, but I don't think they're going to get a quarterback in um, the draft unless they move up for one of the top four QBs. So unless they get a top four QB, Garoppolo or Minshew, they are screwed. Yep. Even though they're one of the better free agencies, they have to get one of the four QBs, trade for Garoppolo or trade for Minshew, or they are screwed. And if they can't do that, they're screwed. I mean, there's no way to put it. Because I just don't think they can win with Cam and Stidham. Even if they get a QB like uh, Kyle Trask, got a Florida Kellen Mond, and they develop him, I still don't think that guy will be a starter. That guy will be a high-end backup, a very good backup at best. So, all right, March Madness update. Um, I guess we Pac-12 did really well in March Madness. I know you're uh, disappointed with um, Houston beating Oregon State, but USC got knocked out by Gonzaga, and UCLA ended up beating Michigan as an 11 seed. So, And that's the team that knocked off Gonzaga in 2006 when Adam Morrison was crying after the um, game. Adam Morrison got Gonzaga to the Sweet 16, and then they lost to UCLA. And then Adam Morrison started crying after that game. It would be funny if they do it again. Yeah, because if they if UCLA beats Gonzaga again, then it's like then Gonzaga's thirty and one. Like they had a perfect season. I think Kentucky was going for an undefeated season a few years ago back in two thousand fifteen, and they lost to Wisconsin in the final four, and Wisconsin ended up losing to Duke that year. So if UCLA beats um Gonzaga, that means we'll get a Baylor um, Baylor, probably get a Baylor-UCLA championship. But I know um, before teams left, I'm guessing you want to see Houston beat UCLA because, like, everybody else has Gonzaga or Baylor. I had Gonzaga beating Illinois in the final with Baylor in my final four. It's like everybody has Gonzaga, Illinois, or Baylor, or some combination of that caliber for their final four bracket. So you want to see the brackets get ruined. A Houston versus UCLA 11 seed championship with Houston winning. No. Would be I want the Pac-12 to win the national championship. And there's only one 12 team left UCLA. So UCLA would have to beat Gonzaga and then Houston in the championship. So I remember I was a bandwagon fan of UCLA a few years ago because Alonzo Ball. It is shut. That's true. So if UCLA, so UCLA and Houston are your top two teams that you're rooting for as a fan, even though you expect Gonzaga and Baylor to probably play for the championship, the fan is rooting for the underdogs to win. Yeah. I can respect that because it's like, at least that'll make it exciting. Um, Speaking of basketball updates, the Bucks and Lakers are tied at 47 with 227 left in the second half. And this is a Lakers team that is wounded. They they don't have LeBron James or Anthony Davis. I'm not going to sit here and say they're wounded worse than Michael Vick's pit bulls after the dog fighting scandal, but they're pretty depleted as far as injuries go. Um, uh, that, that was low. Key. That was a good. That was a good one. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Um, but yeah, there, I, there, um, there's a few, there's a few things we could talk about to end the show. I'll, I've got three topics we could talk about. 
Connor McDavid only getting fined 5K for a dirty hit while making 12 million a year. I think that's the least interesting of the three. You could talk about what happened on AEW before tonight's podcast, or you could talk about Paige Renee, the female golfer that you uh, sent me uh, some. No, her name is her name is Paige um, Speronic. That's just Paige Twitter. Renee. Renee's her middle name. Speronic's her last name. Yeah. Yep. And she did win a tournament in 2019. It wasn't an LPGA Tour tournament, but she did win one tournament. I did some research on her career as a golfer, and she's married to a former minor league baseball prospect. 34th round draft pick in the MLB draft. There's only 40 rounds in the MLB draft. Um, so she's married. she settled for a 34th round pick. But she seems like she's got her act together as an entrepreneur. And she seems very famous, very popular. So if they're happy, they're happy. And she's married. That breaks my heart. 34th round draft pick. A minor league baseball player. 34th round draft pick former minor league baseball player so he didn't even he's no longer even playing in the minor leagues <laughs> I don't know whatever you, you said whatever you maybe maybe you can get rich maybe shot with her one day who knows um we'll see what happens um but yeah AEW happened last night. Okay, tomorrow is MLB opening day. I'll quickly run through the games that are... Um... AEW happened tonight. AEW, yeah, AEW, the wrestling thing happened tonight. Do you want me to um go... I'll, I'm going to post the games. Um, I'm just... I got a photo of the games. Um, I just the baseball games for MLB opening day tomorrow. I'll, I'll read the matchups, but why don't you talk about AEW first and then we'll wrap things up. We don't have to. Okay. Then we'll preview the MLB opening day tomorrow then. So at one Oh five, it's the blue Jays. They head to Yankee stadium. To, oh, that's all going to be on ESPN. Five minutes later at one ten, the Cleveland Indians face the Detroit Tigers. And that's going to be in Detroit at Comerica park. An hour after that, two more games begin. Orioles-Red Sox battle the worst AL East team. And then the Twins play the Brewers. That an interleague game. Minnesota versus Milwaukee. <coughs> 220, the Pirates head to Wrigley Field to take on the Cubs in what should be a slaughtering of the ages. 305, the first MLB game debuts on ESPN+. Plus. It's the Braves and the Phillies. An hour later after that, an hour and five minutes after that, the Dodgers and the Rockies will play at Coors Field on ESPN. Diamondbacks play the Padres at 410 as well, as the Cardinals, Reds. The Texas Rangers play the Royals at 410. And the final 410 game is an interleague game between the Tampa Bay Rays and the Miami Marlins. So Derek Jeter's... Derek Jeter owns the Marlins, and he's welcoming his old AL East rival, the World Series runner-up, Tampa Bay Rays. And then the final three games at 7.09 ESPN, Francisco Lindor, who hasn't signed his extension yet. He's with the Mets now, but he he's going to play the Washington Nationals. The Nationals, the 2019 World Series champions. I think that's probably the best game because um, 
the Blue Jays are not going to have um, George Springer, who they got in free agency from the Astros. He's injured. He's not going to be playing tomorrow. So that pretty much kills Toronto's chances of beating the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Um, the, the Rockies, if they have a good number one pitcher, that game against the Dodgers might be worth a damn. But, I mean, really, Mets-Nationals is really the only game on the uh, opening day games that wows me. Um, White Sox-Angels is at 10.05. And the other game at 10.07 features the Houston Astros and the Oakland Athletics in Oakland. So that is a uh, Astros play the Athletics. That's at 10.07 p.m. Yeah. ESPN. So I think those two last games on ESPN, Mets-Nationals and Astros-Athletics, those are the two signature games. And then the final game is an interleague game between the Giants and the Seattle Mariners at Safeco Field. But Overall, I think there are some good matchups, but the only two that stand out as must-watch matchups are the Mets Nationals on ESPN and the Astros Athletics on ESPN. I think those two are the games that really stand out on MLB opening day. As an A's fan, if you forget that I'm an A's fan, I don't think that's much of a standout game. We lost a, we lost a bunch of guys at free agency this year, so I think we'll get slaughtered. But we have a lot of we didn't do so well in the preseason either. The Astros lost their one of their best um, outfielders in George Springer. So that's true. Um, we'll see what happens because that feels like a game that could go either way. We'll see though. Um, Astros, Athletics, and Mets, Nationals, along with a slate of yes. Yeah, so there's fifteen. MLB games with all 30 teams playing tomorrow on MLB opening day. That is no April Fool's joke. Even though we are um, 48 minutes away from April Fool's Day officially being underway. Um, Tom Brady announcing his retirement on April Fool's Day jokes. A lot of uh, stuff we're going to see. More trade rumors. uh, More uh, We're going to see a lot of April Fool's troll tweets tomorrow. That should be good. So Anything you want to add before we wrap up? Because I think we did a pretty good job covering all bases. Yeah, um, screw Bobby Hart. <laughs> who's Bobby Hart? I forget. Yeah, right. Who's who's that guy? Bobby Hart, the guy, the bank, former Bengal uh, who signed the Bills. Screw Bo- up. Yeah. Yeah. Screw that guy. All right. Hopefully Bobby Hart can use that as motivation, but we're not optimistic about that. So that's Thomas Coburn. My name is Chris Ransom. Thanks for tuning into this edition of Draft Utopia. We're signing off. Enjoy your Wednesday night.